Hello, my name is Mark Gibson, and you're listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost series, a weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Hello, and you're very welcome to this morning's Signpost webinar. We hope you're keeping safe and well wherever you're joining us from today. Uh, today, we'll be discussing the challenges faced by the dairy sector in the Netherlands. Last year, the Dutch government announced plans for a national 50% reduction of nitrogen emissions by 2030. And in the Netherlands, agriculture is responsible for the largest share of nitrogen emissions, much of it from the dairy sector. So today we'll be discussing the implications of this proposal. And uh, we're delighted to be joined by Michelle Dehan from Wageningen Livestock, is a livestock researcher in Wageningen University. And also Gert Stevens, who is a Dutch dairy farmer, uh, who's going to be giving us uh, some uh, feedback of what this means on the ground. And we're also delighted to be joined by Eddie Burgess, who's agricultural catchment specialist with Chagask. And Eddie is going to be helping us with uh, questions later on. Good morning, everybody. So um, maybe, Michelle, if you could, before we start into this morning's presentations, you could tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing in Wageningen. Okay, yeah, well, I'm, I'm involved in uh, uh, in research in dairy, uh, mainly in uh, dairy farm research, like on the whole farm level. Um, I'm mainly project leading of, well, several uh, projects with dairy farmers. Uh, Geert is one of the dairy farmers involved in my projects, one of the projects, Cows and Opportunities. Uh, another one is Cow and Protein. That's a project with 150 dairy farmers. And um, well, we are also developing tools um, to um, um, to calculate the performance, the environmental performance, which is called Kringlobeiser. Um, so involved in many projects in uh, dairy, dairy farming. I originated from a dairy farm as well. Thanks, thanks, Michelle. And Gert, you're um, a dairy farmer in the Netherlands. Could you tell us a little bit about your your operation there? Yeah. Good morning. Uh, nice, nice to be uh, to be here today. Um, I have a dairy farm in the eastern of the Netherlands, uh, about 100 cows. Uh, the company I run uh, with my with my wife, Dineke, yeah, in the eastern of the Netherlands, in, in a sandy soil, about uh, 10, uh, 10 met- meters above uh, sea level. Uh, if you probably know, one third of the Netherlands is uh, under under uh, sea level, and our farm is uh, 10 meters above sea level. I hope uh, I can tell you today how we amputate uh, some measuring and uh, goals uh, to our farm today. Uh, and I'm looking forward uh, to the session. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Gert. And looking forward to a good discussion afterwards, because this is obviously, uh, I suppose, a controversial enough topic uh, in in the Netherlands and indeed across the, the globe, uh, because this is a, a story that has uh, got international attention given the i suppose the hard line that the the dutch government is is taking on uh, emissions and so uh, it'll be inter- interesting to tease through uh, some of the the proposals there so uh michelle i think you're kicking us off with uh, the first presentation well i called my presentation challenges for the dairy sector in the netherlands but um well, you obviously, well, like any Boland, ask me, well, what, what's going on in the Netherlands? So I better tell you what's going on in the Netherlands. Um, well, what I'm going to cover uh, today, well, this this first like uh, 20 minutes is um, uh, about the Dutch dairy sector, because you need to know uh, why, what is the Dutch dairy sector. Uh, that's helping to understand where are we right now. Uh, then some challenges, and then we discover 
uh, that the environment and nature uh, doesn't always align with agriculture. Maybe in perspective of dairy farms it does, but uh, uh, according to a lot of people it doesn't. And in the end, well, we will see, um, we, we have a big struggle for the future. And we probably still have a big struggle in the future. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm basing my slides and my presentation on um, a presentation that I did from an international um, um, conference in, in Latvia a few weeks ago. So some slides or some information probably kind of familiar to you uh, because you might be more familiar uh, to the Dutch dairy sector than the rest of the world. But um, I could be a little faster then. Um, well, about the Dutch dairy sector, um, like 65% of agriculture area is used for dairy farming. And in the Netherlands, we have mainly specialized dairy farms. That's probably the same in Ireland. And the land price is quite high, um, like 70,000 euros up to 100,000 euros for grassland. And as it comes to cropland for flower balls or potatoes, uh, or I've even heard prices of 200,000 euros in the in the in the new land in the polder uh, at this moment we have about well 14,700 dairy farms and there's a tradition of family farms probably the same as in the island um, the farm area is about 66 hectares um, mainly we see about 20 percent of maize where it's possible has to do with the derogation that we still have and the average size of dairy farm is about 110 cows uh, the milk yield is almost 9,000 kilograms per cow. This means that uh, the average farm size would be about 1 million uh, kilograms of milk. And, well, the intensity, well, we call it quite intensive in the Netherlands. Uh, we produce about 16,000 kilograms of milk per hectare. Then a little about the Netherlands. Um, um, this was really good information for the rest of the world. Uh, on the uh, left-hand side, you see a map, a world map. Of, obviously, you see Netherlands over there. We are such a small country. Uh, you see Ireland over there as well. You're a lot bigger than we are. Uh, but this is, we are really small. And uh, we are flat, a flat country. Uh, Geert already told you, well, his farm is 10 meters above sea level. Um that and some farms or a lot of land is below sea level, but it's about the variation we got. We have some hills, maybe three in the south. Uh, so we are flat and we are green, um, maybe not as green as island, but uh, may, most of the times in the year we are green. Uh, we have water, we have ditches, uh, we do pasture grazing, less than you do in island, but still uh, there's a lot of pasture grazing. It's it's. Uh, encouraged as well um, and we do other crops flower balls and that's the on the picture on the right hand side below um, there's uh, rotations with other crops with potatoes uh, with wheat um, so that's that's about the Netherlands then this next picture that's about um, well we can compare countries and that's helping understanding the story um, on the, the left-hand side, we see uh, abbreviations or we see the names of the countries like UK, the Netherlands and the country uh, below on the last line, that's Ireland. Uh, I wrote down the, 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 the surface, the area, the square kilometers. And then you see the Netherlands, well, we have only 41,000 square kilometers, which is by far the smallest country. 
then Ireland is not really big country, but you're almost twice as big as the Netherlands. Um, then the inhabitants, um, well, India, really a big country, became the country with the most inhabitants this year in the world. Um, but still, the Netherlands, we have 17 million inhabitants and Ireland, I looked it up, it's about 5 million inhabitants over there. Then the milk production, um, total milk production of the land, uh, India is producing a lot. It's producing about, well, it's, it's not on the world market, but it's still producing a lot. Uh, Germany, France is producing more. Well, we are producing almost the same amount of milk as the UK. And, uh, well, Ireland has uh, gone up milk production uh, like about 9 uh, million tons. Uh, but the Netherlands, we still produce 14 million tons. Which brings us to the next picture when we are comparing countries. We can, um, we can divide uh, the square kilometers, uh, the people per square kilometers and the, the tons of milk per square kilometers. And the next thing we see is that, well, the, the density... Uh, the amount of people per square kilometer is the highest in India, but uh, the amount of milk that's been produced per square kilometer is by far the highest in the Netherlands. And uh, at this stage, I also see quite a lot of milk per square kilometer produced in Ireland, uh, but it's really a lot in the Netherlands. And, and, and I believe, well, we are producing in, in the top 15 of milk production. And as it comes to size of the country, we're really small. We can't be seen on the world map. So this kind of tells the picture. Um, this is a really important picture. Like um, we are really producing a lot of milk. And then I'm not even talking about pigs and poultry. Uh, and we have such a small surface. And, and, well, we kind of want to have it all in the Netherlands. We want to have dairy. We want to have pigs. We want to have crops. We want to have tourism. We want to have nature. Uh, we want to have refugees. Uh, um, we want to have um, more buildings. We want to have more houses. We want to have it all. And that's becoming really difficult. So this means we have a lot of uh, challenges we call it environmental challenges and it's well, listed over here and probably it's not complete uh, but it's about um well the top one priority right now is reducing ammonia and and uh, in average the ammonia emission by agriculture should be reduced well more than 40 percent in 2013 <clears throat> and the greenhouse gas emission should be reduced a lot um compared to 1990. Uh, well, you recognize it. But um, in the end, this means uh, less methane, less nitrous oxide, more carbon sequestration. Uh, the other issue is water quality. Um, well, this leads to low nitrogen and phosphate application. And, um, well, from this year on, uh, about three meters without application along ditches. There's also extra uh, restriction. And uh, well, we have this nitrate directive um, that you recognize as well. Um, there will be no more derogation on manure from 2026 onwards. And that's a big issue in the Netherlands. And, and, and well, we expect some big consequences of that. Um, now it's a scheme that's leading to 
uh, the situation without derogation? Well, which means we can only apply uh, 43 tons of manure per hectare, uh, which is not a lot. And then biodiversity is a big issue uh, in Europe and in the Netherlands, and the Dutch government wants to be a frontrunner in secularity. And uh, we need to be climate neutral in 2050, uh, and, and probably I'm forgetting something. So this means a lot of uh, challenges, and we want to have it all. So this is, this is well, difficult. And like the Netherlands, we feel like farming in the backyard of cities, um, Many people have an opinion about farming and farmers. And, and people say, some people say, keeping animals for food production is wrong. And they say farms pollute. Or farmers don't care about animals, uh, they just care about profit. And less animals will lead to less environmental issues. That's what they say. And it's, I think, good to be aware of. I think only about 2% of the population in the Netherlands has something to do with agriculture. 2% of our 17 million people. So that's, that's a struggle, that's difficult. And then we have this situation, we have politicians. And some politicians say, well, let's cut down the number of livestock by 50%. And that's what they say. And that's uh, well, a really big issue. And then we have this, we call this the nitrogen map. And uh, well, this is the map on the left-hand side. It's Dutch, but I will uh, explain a little. Um, this is the map uh, that was introduced uh, last year in June uh, by our Minister of Nitrogen. Yeah, we have a Ministry of Nitrogen and sent out to all farmers. And it shows uh, on which place in the Netherlands the ammonia reduction uh, uh, will be from, let's say, 12% up to 95%. And usually, the greener, the better. But in this map, the greener, uh, the more reduction is needed. That's up to 95% of ammonia emission over there. So that's, well, confusing a lot. And that led to several farmer protests in June uh, 2020. Uh, farmers drove at the tractors on uh, yeah, on the way to the Hague, and 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 on I believe it was the 14th of June last year. There was a big organization and and um, protesting, telling farmers what's going on. Even some German farmers joined the Dutch farmers with their tractors. Well, meanwhile, uh, another political party was founded, uh, BBB. It's a uh, farmer civilian movement, and this party tried to represent the voice of many people that are quite fed up with the current government and all the mistakes they are making according to common people. And that's more than nitrogen and agriculture. Uh, it, it's not only about agriculture, it's, it's about building houses, it's about refugees, it's about gas. It's uh, Well, people are quite fed up, and at this very moment, um, well, it's not certain of our government will, um, yeah, will be still be our government today. It's a, a big issue at this very moment. In 2020, um, well, we had an election um, for the government, and this political party just got one seat out of 150, which is very little, but a start. In 2000. 
23, we had elections for provinces. And this party came in as biggest party in 12 provinces, which was quite a shock for the current, gov for the current government. The government is confused, but tries to carry out plans that were already made. Um, and for agriculture, an agriculture agreement was to be made. An agreement with the government and agricultural organizations, um, mainly about reducing ammonia emission, uh, when to reduce, how to reduce, um, how much to reduce, and how farmers can still earn money. And it was with um, um, organizations representing farmers, and there are, well, I wrote down more than five, it's more than five organizations. The, the farmers' organizations in the Netherlands are quite divided as well, so it's really difficult to get an, organ to get an agreement. Uh, retail organizations, nature organizations were uh, part of the discussion. And, well, it was due uh, to re reach an agreement on the 18th of May, um, but <laughs> uh, at that moment there wasn't an agreement. Um, so they carried on, and the next deadline was the, sorry, was the 21st of June. Uh, then an agreement was expected. Um, however, the main farms organization, um, LTO, stopped debating and negotiating with the government at the 21st of uh, June. And um, the main argument was, well, there are not enough positive issues for the agriculture sector. So... There is no agriculture agreement at this moment. This means that a government will come and has to come up with an agriculture policy. And that's due in September. But who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? So, well, in the end, it, there's nothing certain at this moment. So I could end my talk because that's all what we know right now. However, that wouldn't be really satisfying for you. So I will tell some personal expectations I have, and maybe, well, Geert can agree on that or, or say, well, no, Michel, we're wrong. But I expect something, and please don't quote me on that. It's my personal opinion. It's not a Wageningen statement. Um, what do I expect? Um, I expect... In, in that policy, less ammonia, less methane, less nitrous oxide, and less carbon dioxide, and more biodiversity. And it's more than a little. It's not just a little less. And, well, I expect um, that the government wants to purchase complete farms. And there is a purchase scheme launched already on the 14th of June, um, like you can discover if you're a main polluter, uh, and, and then you can sign in and probably get 120% of the value of your barns and cattle. And that's probably uh, farms close to nature area. And it will be stimulus to keep less animals. And uh, society, government wants to have extensive and more organic dairy farming. And I expect that there will be some measures uh, about manure, about barns, about storage. Um, I don't know yet. Um, maybe some sensor technology. Um, well, it's it's a picture on the, in the middle on the right-hand side. Um, measuring emissions on barns. There's development to, um, to develop um, sensors and, and use that to prove what the emission really is. Um, I expect some 
certified calculation system, so mineral accounting system that's, um, uh, well, the government and, and the politicians wants to go that way uh, to show and to calculate your performance. And there's a big urge um, to the society and retail for higher agricultural prices to give farmers some earnings. And I expect um, some extra money for grass and with restrictions in use. But that's my personal expectations. Uh, we never know what's going to happen. But I think this is the way that society and the government's kind of moving. Um, yeah, this is probably uh, yeah what I can say about what's happening in the Netherlands. And well, I will uh, well give the floor to floor to Geert. This is a picture of Geert Steven and his farms. And, and, well, I will end with a statement. I know and I expect there will be room for all kinds of dairy farms, even in the Netherlands. So, so far, thanks for your attention. Maybe there are questions already. Um, we have questions, but I think we'll leave them till the end. Okay. Um, but maybe just while Gert is getting, maybe if you could stop sharing your presentation for us. And Gert, if you could share your presentation. Uh, Michelle, there, there is a question about the... The, the amount of concentrate or meals fed to cows in the Netherlands, what's roughly the percentage of cows, uh, the, the, the diet grazed grass versus uh, concentrates? The amount of concentrates, I would say that could be up to 30% of the total ration. Uh, yeah. Up to, yeah, I think or up to, uh, on average, I would say uh, 30% of the ratio. And on average, the amount of fresh grass, grazed grass, um, well, that would go to 12% of the total ration. And then, obviously, we feed uh, maize silage, grass silage, and some byproducts. Okay, that's that's mainly an average, and it, it's a real big diversity. Uh, we also have farms in our uh, project, the farmer that's, that's um, well, grazing like the Irish way. <laughs> um, mm. Yeah, grazing a lot over there. Should that, I? That a contrast, yeah. all right. I mean, in Ireland, it's about well, 95% of the diet would be grass. Uh, so it's quite, quite a difference. So... Um, Gert, um, if you could turn on your microphone for us and we will um, hear your presentation and uh, reminder to everybody, do send us your questions using the Q&A tab at the bottom of the screen. So thanks again, Michelle. We'll we'll chat to you after uh, Gert's presentation. Okay. Thank you for letting uh, me tell you something about Dutch dairy uh, farming today. Um, this is our farm uh, uh, information. Uh, so I told you uh, before our company is located in the eastern of uh, the Netherlands. We have a sandy soil in about uh, 10 meters above uh, sea level, uh, 100 cows, a little bit below the average in, uh, in the Netherlands. Um, uh, we are producing milk uh, on the, on the, on the, on the uh, planet proof uh, a label. It's a label from uh, Friesland Capina and um, we, we do a, a bigger uh, 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 yeah, we had to do more about um, uh, CO2, CO2 uh, greenhouse gases reduction. We had to do more about uh, nature and we, we get, need to do more about our uh, uh, livestock uh, health. And uh, yeah, we get uh, more money uh, for milk, uh, four or five euro cents uh, uh, for a, a liter. Uh, 
uh, when we yeah when we produce on the this label from plant proof it's almost uh, uh, five to seven percent of the milk in the Netherlands is produced under the label of plant proof of uh, Friesland Capina. Um, there's not more market for that uh, milk, so uh, yeah, it's limited. Um, next slide, uh, please, uh, Michel. Um, first of all, um, we are farming to support our family financially. That's most important. But of course, we also have an eye for our uh, environments, and uh, that's very important. The, yeah, we, we want to make a balance uh, in, in that. So that's this, that's our farm strategy. Um, the next slide, please. Um, Misha told us a lot about the challenges for the dairy farming in uh, in the Netherlands, and um, yeah, all tasks are come together in one place, and that's the farmyard, the place where we work every day, where we live every day, and yeah, that's not simple. The big question is for us. Uh, with all those tasks, how do I make my income with all these tasks? And in this project, so Scouted Opportunities, uh, we implemented all implemented all those uh, tasks, and um, um, a lot of um, um, uh, uh, people from the University of Wageningen uh, they come with a lot of questions to our farm. One. Um, uh, comes with a question about uh, methane reduce, the other one with ammonia reducing, and yeah, and one of them will will be uh, will have a better bi biodiversity. And as a farmer, you you you, you can make uh, have to make uh, something of that. So yeah, how can we steer on these teams? Um, we want to have uh, more grazing. Uh, Misha told the average of grazing is 12% fresh grass innovation on Dutch dairy farms. Last year, uh, we had a 20 to 22% fresh grass innovation, but we want to have more grazing innovation. More grazing is uh, good for uh, less uh, ammonia emissions, good for uh, less uh, methane emissions, and it makes more money. So the other uh, issue is uh, a more sustainable livestock. Uh, letting the dairy cows get older is very important, uh, less young stock. And we introduced herbs in our grasslands. Uh, herbs uh, can help for better biodiversity. They also get a better soil type, so we can, um, yeah, uh, we are better standing for a, 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 a climate changing. And um, Michel told something about uh, cow and protein, and yeah, we want to steer on a, uh, a max protein from 15.5%. Less protein innovation makes uh, less uh, ammonium uh, emissions. So that's a, uh, and all those uh, all those measures direct also directly generate money. So uh, it's motivated me also, uh, it, yeah. Uh, also, also to do it, to do it. Um, yeah, all these managers, um, yeah, generate money, so they are low hanging fruit. Which we, uh, we say in the Netherlands. I don't know if it's an expression uh, in Ireland, but I always feel uh, like a Louis van Gaal, is a Dutch uh, uh, football coach. His English is as good as uh, my English, so. 
Um, but Michel told us, um, yeah, we had to do more. 40% eh? reduction of ammonia, 55% less greenhouse gases in future. And um, yeah, what I mean to say is that if we want to meet the goals set by our government, there's a great effort need, which of course also costs us more money. So what kind of help do we want from people like Michel or our uh, um, government is to do more with innovations, innovation of stables with uh, low emission floors, with manager, so bio digesters, but maybe additives and maybe processed menu at fertilizer substitutes. It's all important to do and get uh, those uh, higher goals. But by innovation, there's always a discussion about securing management measures. It's very important that our government can secure management measures. And that's a discussion on this moment. But uh, there's another option is chase business and management. Uh, yeah, can, can or must be switched to organic farm, but there's no market enough for, for more organic milk in the Netherlands. Five to seven percent is, uh, is a, there's a market for organic uh, milk in, um, in the Netherlands. Our government and also our European government, Frans Timmermans, wants to steer us to uh, 20 to 25% organic uh, farming. But when there is uh, no market for us, I ask my, myself, yeah, is, it, is, it, is it wise to do? And um, yeah, as a farmer, I know and I see the future and I know I see the discussion over uh, fewer cows, animals in the Netherlands. And um, yeah, that, that's, that, that's what I see happening. And uh, yeah, I get a little bit uh, afraid of that. But another, I, I know also that uh, less cows, fewer cows and animals can be an uh, option for uh, dairy farms. Michel told you about uh, a regulation of the government who, who buy uh, 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 farms in the Netherlands. So I think for uh, what all the farmers, the average uh, uh, age of farms is 55, 58 years. So there are a lot of farms we will uh, enter farm in the future, in the, in the it comes uh, five or ten years, so yeah, that's a that's a discussion we um, we got to make in the Netherlands. Um, yeah, this is how I uh, I see our future, and I try to uh, implement implement all those uh, goals. Um, yeah, great, Gert. Thank you so much for that, and it gives us a really good insight uh, into uh, the. I suppose the challenges that are facing the sector over there is quite extraordinary. The, the price of land there that Michelle presented earlier on, um, I think, was it uh, up to 70,000 per hectare, which is quite different to, to here in Ireland. Prices, uh, there's some, I suppose the average is, is looking some, somewhere around 15, between 10 and 15,000. So a very different dynamic there. Um and, and and again, interesting in relation to Gert, your what you were talking about there, the price, or, or sorry, the, the the prospects for organic milk. Um, this is a 
uh, a policy here in Ireland uh, to to I suppose support or the expansion of organic uh, production uh, in Ireland and. Uh, you, you're you're questioning that within the Netherlands or the, the I suppose the 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 market the size of the market there. What maybe you could comment on that further for us, Gert? Yeah, there's yeah that's right. There's not enough uh, um, the, the people to who want to buy organic milk. Is, uh, is there not enough people to uh, can buy and can pay with as high as uh, uh, feed prices, uh, food prices. So that's that's a it's a problem. Um, the the consumption of organic milk in the Netherlands is a little bit lower last year. So uh, when you want to stimulate uh, farmers to uh, uh, change the farm to organic uh, farm, yeah, the, the government uh, had to do more. Uh, maybe in in their policy or otherwise, I don't know. Uh, yes. Yeah. That makes sense. And just in terms of like this this overall policy, Gert, I know obviously there's been a lot of protests in uh, the Netherlands, uh, a lot of frustration amongst farmers. What's your own view or personal view on on you know where it needs to go? Yeah, <laughs> from the how I look to those uh, action for the farmers, there is a period you can be angry. It's quite normal. Eh? If a politician says uh, we have to have 50% uh, less uh, cattle in the Netherlands, you get angry as a farmer. But if you had a period that you've been angry, um, you get to, to go in, a, in, a, in another mode, in an action mode. And I'm in that action mode. I want to uh, 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 know what the, the, the I, I want to see the horizon and know what the goals are on the horizon, and I want to go in an action mode so I can implement uh, a lot of those goals in the, in the future in a farm. So I'm not angry anymore. I, I was angry, but not anymore. And I want to go in an action mode, and I need tools for that action mode. So I, uh, I'm not not so glad that it. Uh, uh, Michel, you call it the Lambo Accord? Yeah, agricultural agreement. Yeah, I, I hope we had an agriculture uh, 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 agreement, yeah. but um, it's not uh, happening. So uh, we're still waiting for a good uh, goal and, 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 and good horizon. Exactly. So you're looking for a sustainable pathway from an economic and environmental perspective. And we, we often talk about the three-legged stool here in Ireland of sustainability, that without having economic, uh, uh, environmental and social sustainability, you, you have an imbalance there. And yes, by the way, we do have a phrase called the low-hanging fruit here in uh, <laughs> Ireland that we, we use. And uh, yes, that is a, that is a, you, you're quite right in describing the uh that that that's where we're at and you know a lot of the low-hanging fruit has been uh harvested if you want to call it that um eddie some really interesting questions coming in from our our audience and and please do keep your questions coming through to us um we have quite an international audience as well this morning we have uh, uh people from across the globe joining us today so obviously piqued by the interest in this story so eddie yeah, yeah, there is, <laughs> there is. I think for for Kurt, um, the Mercurial level of sixteen. Um, wondering is this part of a sustainability payment, and is there a penalty if you go over that level? And um, if that is the case, how does that work? 
or was that just a, a figure saying that is what your mercurial level is? Uh, you, you, you mean the level of the payments of a plant food milk? No, no, no. It's, uh, the, you have a mercurial level of 16. Yeah. 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 And is that, um, is that part of a sustainability program? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in the Netherlands, uh, we see that urea, is, urea in the milk is uh, related to the ammonia emissions. So um, we steer on a, on a low uh, urea in our, our milk. And 16 is very low, too low a little bit. Uh, last year, we had a protein, average protein uh, percentation from 14.5%. Uh, That's uh, too low. Um, but uh, we are uh, still on, 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 on protein innovation. But uh, last year we see, um, you know where, where the, uh, uh, the, the border is when you cross it. And we crossed this border from to, to, to low in, in protein. And uh, it cost us, uh, it has cost us, 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 us yield or, or money. And um, so uh, we know that six urea 16 and 14.5 percent protein innovation is too low. Yeah. Uh, maybe to add a little, there's no penalty if your urea is uh, really high or low. We use it as an indicator for efficiency of protein feeding, and it's also an indicator uh, for ammonia emission. Does that answer to the question, Eddie? Yeah, yeah, no, I think that does, that that does, thanks. And kind of following on for that, what are the top three measures for dairy farmers that are willing, uh, like what, what what three measures are dairy farmers most likely to implement to reduce greenhouse gases and ammonia emissions? Uh, for who's that a question, maybe? Uh, but both, well, both, I suppose, yeah. 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 Okay, okay, okay. Sorry, I should, I should, I should have said, sorry, yeah, that's... It uh, doesn't really matter. Well, I can start with my perspective. Um, well, I think it's um, uh, in feeding, uh, like uh, to implement low-protein feeding, that would help with um, uh, ammonia emission and probably also doesn't cost money and maybe even save money. So that's that's a start. Um well, it depends on the farm that um, more grazing hours could help with the uh, ammonia uh emission for the greenhouse gases well um feeding is important however uh people uh gained a lot last year's uh, using less concentrate or uh, concentrate with low uh, emission factors that's helping for the carbon dioxide and now uh, there is some additives in the Netherlands, a Beauvais, a DSM additive, uh, which still costs money, but it's helping a lot to reduce methane emission. And in some pilots, it's being used. And there's a payment scheme uh, introduced by Frieza Campina. If your uh, greenhouse gas emissions below a certain level, um, you get one and a half cent extra per kilogram of milk, and which can be attractive just some measures but uh, well, I'm not really sure if it's the top three maybe yeah. here can add to that but it's also interesting for farms in Ireland is that uh, more uh, fresh grazing in, in cows is make a, a lower emission factor of, uh, of methane and there are some new uh, uh, investigations by Wagen University they say for that 
uh, fresh grass grazed in spring have a lower emission uh, uh, factor methane as grass grazed in in, in, in fall. Uh, it's not uh, validated this uh, this data, but it's a first uh, impression. Huh? Um, so that's that, that. Yeah, you get a perspective to the future, I guess, with uh, reducing greenhouse gases with that. Yeah, and I was at a talk yesterday, and the very same research was being presented coming from Moor Park about the fresh grass grazing yeah. in the springtime. Um, so there's, there's a, um, a comment there, uh, Eddie. Just somebody correcting me quite quite correctly in relation to the the price of of land in Ireland, and uh, the figures I was quoting was per acre. So okay. um, so pr- r- roughly thirty thousand per hectare would probably be the the closer the upper limit um, there. So so uh, so it was approximately half the price of what. Uh, what what uh, is is uh, for selling it over in um, the the Netherlands? Um, I'm not sure. You won't, you uh, won't get we... away with much, Mark. You. I know. Well, this is great. <laughs> Look, it's it's uh, we stand only, to be corrected. Only right. Um, Lois, so, sorry, Mark. I just got, I just kind of following on 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 measures there, sure. and, and we we have a a greater number of farmers falling under the requirement to use low emission spreading uh, technologies in Ireland at the moment. And that's something that you've been doing for a lot longer than we have. Uh, and here the, we have um, uh, trailing hoses or dribble bar. And I think there's different terminologies that I'm not really too fond of any of them. And we have a trailing shoe and you have an injection system. And just, just a question, if you, if you're using the trailing shoe, what's the experience of trailing shoe systems in the Netherlands? Are are you all injecting slurry? Yeah, the most of uh, uh, the slurry is injected in in ground, uh, also on a crop fields, also also grassland. There's a a, a little uh, kind of farmers who have a, a, a exception of this role, and they make slurry in in spreading slurry. But uh, if they do that, there are a lot of regulations. So also uh, a low milk urea and uh, also the kinds of uh, uh, regulations. But so 90, 95% from the manure is uh, injected in the ground. So that's, that's... And there are two, um, uh, two systems injected in the ground. And also we call it uh, the, 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 the slave foot. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's putting the, the slurry uh, between the good grass on the ground, yes, yeah. and the trailing, the trailing shoe we yeah. call it. Yeah. I, yeah. I know yeah. if you, you you call it the trailing foot or yeah, similar. Yeah. In, yes, in, in, but that's only allowed on the peat soil and on the heavy clay soil. And then you have to um, mix that with water, like one part uh, of water and two parts of slurry. Um, I'm not sure did we talk about the, uh, the, the there was a question there in relation to the the tool that you you discussed Michelle there that environmental performance tool for farms um, we're in Ireland we're developing a similar tool called the AgNav uh, to support farmers in uh, measuring their 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 carbon footprint and and reducing their carbon footprint. Um, a similar tool I imagine to with maybe more variables you're looking at. Yeah, I can, I can explain a little, and if you want to uh, uh, want to know a lot more, just send me an email, and and, and I will will tell a lot. But it's a tool in Dutch we call it Kringlebuis. In English, it's Anka Annual Nutrient Cycling Assessment, and it's a tool that's mandatory for all dairy farms, 
not by the government, but by the uh, dairy industry. Um, and that's mandatory for almost all dairy farms, like 98%. Um, if you're delivering milk to, uh, to the dairy industry that's connected to the well, uh, Dutch Dairy Association, uh, you have to fill out that tool. And uh, all the data are stored in a central database and the dairy processors can use that uh, for the sustainability uh, performance. And they, can, they will know how much um, uh, ammonia emission there is, how much uh, greenhouse gas emissions, what's the nitrogen surplus, what's the phosphate surplus, what's the manure production. Uh, and it's a, well, really um, um, farm-based, it's a, a farm-specific tool, and it's connected to all kinds of data sources uh, from the government, from the uh, feed processors, from the, to the dairy processors, uh, and do the calculations. But if you're more interested in that, uh, well, I can tell you a lot more about it but it would take a lot more time i would say of course yes yeah, yeah. we might get you back again uh yeah. michelle to it might, it might. or maybe the one who's asking the question sent me an email um just a, a question on the organics um coming in uh, and i think i think it's interesting very interesting that you refer to the market not being there to support the policy um targets um but uh, wondering how is there an analysis in the netherlands of the uh, carbon footprint of organic produce versus regular produce, uh, production. And, and the, the, the questioner feels that um, most studies have shown that there's a higher carbon footprint from organic produce versus regular production systems. Um, so probably driven by lower output per animal or per hectare. Yeah, well, there is an analysis. And uh, if you express the carbon footprint per kilogram of milk, uh, then uh, it's more efficient to um, to be a, a just um, a regular farm. Um, so the carbon footprint per kilogram of milk is higher on an organic farm, and it has to do with uh, probably with methane. Um, on the other hand, uh, if you express it per hectare, and that's what the organic farms like to do, <laughs> then the, the performance of the organic farm would be better. It's probably something you recognize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, um, I, I kind of somewhat related. There's a feeling there. Is there a feeling amongst the farmers uh, in the Netherlands that the government and the European Commission at a larger scale are really going about outsourcing emissions and basically reducing production in Holland while importing food from outside of the European uh, Union? Yeah, this, it's also a feeling. Uh, farmers don't like that idea. Um, I always tell there's a reason why there's uh, dairy in the Netherlands, why there's dairy in, in, in Ireland, why there's dairy on certain spots in the world. And it has to do with the soil and enough water. It has to do with rain. And um, now it feels like, well, um, we are... Um, pushing away dairy and animals from places where there's a lot. And, and then, well, we don't need to import dairy from other countries uh, really soon. Um, but, it, well, it's market in the Netherlands. Uh, vegetables are being imported. Uh, also, milk is being imported. Uh, 
Yeah, that's market, but it doesn't feel too nice for the dairy farmers that, that well, we are exporting a lot and um, it, it's, um, there's, there's a reason that we are producing dairy a lot. Yeah. We, we have a comment here um, from, from one of our viewers here. It says, would farmers not be better served if the research organizations and farmer lobby groups place more time finding solutions to the problems instead of trying to find excuses, including pointing out to the public and supermarkets that higher prices will be needed? Um, but it's a simply a fact, I think, that you're presenting that higher prices will be needed if uh, production is restricted. Yeah, is that a question to Geert or to my... Well, if you want, both want to comment on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I will, I will start, and um, I kind of agree with that. But uh, um, well, this is, um, again, we have um, uh, only 2%, and I think that includes researchers in, in, uh, in farming uh, that are somehow involved in, in agriculture. And um, even within research, um, everybody doesn't agree. Um, I'm from the corner that I think, yeah, well, we should help more finding solutions instead of uh, uh, saying, well, the prices should be higher because we are exporting a lot in the Netherlands. So if the prices in the Netherlands would be higher, um, it's only partly a solution. And it's, well, in, in the Netherlands, we're kind of fond of, of having markets. We are heavily market-driven. So in my opinion, that's not the big solution. Uh, maybe Geert can comment on that or add. Uh, Michel told about uh, how the Netherlands is, is standing for with a lot of people, uh, 17 million people, but they are talking about 2% of, uh, of the people, of the farming and the farmers. And, um, and, and yeah, 70% of our products are exported. So it, this, this discussion about uh, how, how to farm, um, um, yeah, I tell it. Uh, we, we, in this session, we make it a big discussion, but in the Netherlands, um, I'll, uh, 16.8 million people. Um, I don't know if they even uh, much care about uh, those problems. Um, so it's a political choice to, um, you know, I, I almost want to say that they don't care, but that, 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 that goes too far. But um, there is a dis discussion about, um, yeah, there are a lot of people and uh, less farmers. So the discussions will always be uh, there's a higher uh, a goal, uh, good economic, uh, a lot of houses, a lot of uh, nature uh, that we all see. So um, there's not a lot of uh, a, a big view to make a lot of uh, uh, solutions, uh, is my uh, opinion. Um, but we are we are also as farmers want those solutions, but we are a small part of this whole system. You, you talked, uh, uh, I think it was Michelle or that mentioned uh, that the, a lot of the, the farms that are being bought out. Uh, wh what is the plan for those farms then? Are they being rewilded or what, 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 what's happening to those? And, and just added to that, I mean, is there a plan? Is there a wider land use plan for the Netherlands? Well, it's um, 
we have a lot of uh, nature 2000 areas, like 160 nature 2000 areas. And there's a calculation uh, how well, which farm is uh, polluting on what nature 2000 area. And, and uh, those farms, they can apply to this purchase scheme and um, they can get extra money just for barns and cattle, probably not for the land, but um, they are urged to go out of business. And uh, so uh, then we have less animals, less cattle. So that could be a big solution uh, for nature, for ammonia emission. Well, the plan with the land uh, is not really certain yet. Um, maybe it can be used for other farms or maybe it can be used for nature. At least if there's less um, ammonia emission or nitrogen deposition on that land that's okay so that's a, yeah that's an important well, clarification maybe, yeah it's maybe it. you hear some irony in my voice but it's a uh, well yeah uh it's difficult for farmers and and um i asked my brother and, and probably geert as well well are you a main polluter <laughs> and do you want to sell your farm it's hmm. yeah it's difficult Okay, so so the the, the government uh, is 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 more buying out the, the livestock as opposed to the land. The land is still the own in the, the ownership of the farmer. Yeah, it could be, but but then the farm is not allowed to farm anymore. Okay, okay. Yeah, right. but it, it, it's still introduced. That scheme is introduced in on last June, the fourteenth of June. So it's really fresh. Sure. <laughs> so we do not know what's going to happen now and what the, the restrictions are and the choices and whatever. So there's a lot of assumptions that I make. Okay. We're, we're coming close to the end of our session. Uh, Eddie, do you have any final questions you'd like to? Yeah, it, well, there's two, two questions really to do with the cows themselves. One is if cows are kept longer, will the amount of methane per kilo of milk produced not increase um, as the herd milk yield decreases with age? Um, and then... I, I think the overall balance is positive there from my knowledge of research done in Ireland. But but on a similar question, um, uh, will increasing grazing time increase methane emissions in comparison with less grass and more concentrate? Yeah, so should I try to answer that a little? Um, first one has to do with, uh, well, if the cow gets older, do we uh, have less or more methane? Uh, well, it depends. Um, if the if a cow gets older, um, well, there should happen something else on the farm as well. You should keep less young stock. Uh, yeah. You don't need uh, that many replacement animals. So that that's well, that could be the um, the good thing. Uh, so in the end, we have less rumens to feed, and so less methane emission from the rumen. Yeah. Then the question about grazing. Um, yeah, that's a nice one. I think it's about balancing. Uh, we know that from good maize silage, um, there's less methane than from grass and grass silage. Uh, so if you are feeding um, maize silage with a lot of starch, uh, the methane emission will be lower than with grazing. The same with some concentrates. Some concentrates have um, re, uh, result in higher methane levels and some in lower. So I think it's mainly about balancing and it's about uh, the grass as well. In the end, we will see different methane from different grass 
uh, which is fed old grass, young grass, um, time of the year, type of the grass. But it's still a lot in research. But I think it's about balancing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, we're, we're slightly over time, uh, so uh, but no, thank you so much, uh, Michelle and Kurt, for for joining us today. Uh, really good to get an insight into uh, the realities of, of farm policy and and uh, what's happening in the dairy sector in the Netherlands. So it's, it is a no doubt a very uncertain time, and uh, we wish you both well over the next uh, few months and years, and hopefully a. a uh, uh, a, a solution that that works for everybody can be developed, and uh, I think there's a lot of lot of eyes looking at what's happening there in the Netherlands. Um, so, so thank you once again for for your time today, Eddie. Thank you so much for helping with the questions as well. Uh, some really good questions coming through from our viewers this morning, um, and I, I want to say finally thanks to Andy Boland, uh, our uh, series producer, and uh, Yvonne Maher for helping us with the technical uh, sides of the today and preparing our, our speakers. Next week, we're going to be joined by John Muldowney, who is head of the Agriculture and Environmental Structures Division within the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine. And uh, John is going to be giving us an update on the Acres uh, Agri-Environmental Scheme. So he's going to give us an overview and some of the milestones that that scheme is going through. Uh, so until next week, enjoy the weekend and thanks for joining us today. Thank you. You've been listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost series, the weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Don't forget to join us live every Friday morning for our latest webinar. For more, visit chagask.ie. And you can also rate, review and subscribe to the Signpost series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Mark Gibson and thanks for listening.